Hey, hello. I'd like to welcome everybody to the second session of a series on uh, semantic wiki uh, technologies. And this is session two, second slide. And this is on um, semantic wiki. Well, let's see. Okay, the series itself is semantic wikis entitled The Wiki Way to the Semantic Web, uh, where we have a bunch of uh, numerous talks and discussions, etc., on um, how wikis, the semantic wikis, and the, the semantic web can be interrelated. Slide three. This particular session is um, an attempt to get and an partial in-depth understanding of, of different implementations of semantic wikis. We've asked the authors or the presenters to, to address the topic matters below, uh, particularly why did they build it, um, you know, what was their audience, and where, where were they going with it, what sort of interesting and unique implement, implementation features does their implementation have, how is context created and authored, uh, what are the characteristics that make it semantic wiki versus just a wiki, and how is inf information semantic information imported and exported from the wiki, if, if it is, how is the information queried and browsed, uh, are there any sort of uh, semantic reasoning techniques that occur under the covers um, with the semantic components, and we've also asked them to talk a little bit about where it is in the evolutionary cycle, uh, what sort of user base it has, and describe a bit about where they're going to be going next. Uh, one thing I wanted to note, slide four is that the next session, session three, is going to be devoted specifically to MediaWiki um, and its extensions, including Semantic MediaWiki and, and many others. So you won't be hearing about Semantic MediaWiki today, uh, but this will be dedicated to other approaches here. We're going to start with six presentations, uh, each capped at 15 minutes. Uh, the presentations are listed on the slide below. Uh, following the presentations, uh, we're, uh, this is slide six, uh, we're going to have a, a series of lightning talks uh, capped at three minutes uh, where we describe uh, other implementations and, and other available wikis. And one note I wanted to make on the lightning talks is that it's not necessary uh, that all of these implementations be open source and freely available, uh, although the slides describing them, as the authors have agreed that that would be. And then we're going to follow it by a, a Q&A session. If you haven't found it now, at some point you might want to locate, uh, towards the bottom of the page, there's a chat session. Uh, it's got a URL of WebConf Soap Hub uh, that uh, discussion can go on. You can either post questions as we go along, and we can also discuss um, it will be a focus point for the discussion afterwards. And slide seven, I just wanted to put in an advertisement. Uh, we had an excellent first session uh, where, where we were given a, a wonderful background in just uh, how the history of and the state of the art in Semantic Wiki at a very high level. Uh, everybody's here for this session today. As mentioned previously, we're going to be talking about uh, Semantic Media Wiki in session and then we're going to be talking, the next two sessions will be dedicated to uh, various uses 
uh, that people are making of somatic media with these and, and what they're doing with them. And then the final session will be a, a, a wrap-up on that look to the future. So with that, I would like to turn the uh, microphone uh, over to Dr. Professor Peter Dolog, and he's going to describe Kiwi uh, and Kiwi, and I'll probably leave it to him to give a little more biographical information. Uh, hello, oh, I'm Peter Dolog, and uh, I work at Olborg University. Uh, originally, Sebastian Shepard uh, was supposed to give this presentation, but uh, he had some business duties in Vienna, so unfortunately, he could not attend this session, so I'm covering up on the last note, but uh, I will try to do my best to actually provide as good presentation as he would give. Uh, the second slide, please. Yes, so the presentation um, has three main parts. Um, first, uh, it will be about uh, user interface uh, um, of IcoWiki. Uh, it's one of the semantic wikis. Then uh, the second part will be devoted to an architecture or uh, some of those questions which you have asked, so how to store pages and metadata, how the rendering pipeline looks like, and so on. And the third part of the talk uh, will be about what we already started in PV project and uh, where we are heading to uh, in, in the PV project. Uh, slide three, please. Yes, so now we will talk about user uh, interface, Ikeviki interface. Yes, slide four, please. Okay, uh, so the idea behind Ikiwiki and its user interface is that it uh, resembles somewhat uh, uh, Wikipedia or uh, traditional ordinary wikis as they were created. So as you can see on the screenshot over there, uh, there is a big uh, uh, main content part in the middle which can be edited uh, by pressing edit tab as it is in other wikis, and then there are various widgets uh, which are uh, devoted for some additional functions, uh, either uh, traditional uh, wiki-oriented or additional ones which are added uh, because we, we have uh, certain semantics or metadata, so we can perhaps compute additional information. Uh, next slide, please. Yes, so the, the first extension or the first addition of the uh, IkiWiki to the traditional wikis is uh, about semantic annotations, and this is probably what the other semantic wikis uh, have as well. So the idea is to give a bit of a formalization of the content which is uh, edited or which is placed into the uh, wiki by means of uh, annotations or metadata um, or vocabularies, uh, if you like. But of course, even uh, in this context, uh, IkeWiki thought about users and uh, that users or people will only use metadata only when they see benefits for that. And uh, this slide actually lists uh, two of the many possible advantages which authors or users of uh, wikis could have from metadata or from additional even uh, just a little formalization. So, for example, for authors, um, the metadata can uh, uh, support editing 
uh, and authors can actually get uh, recommendations of uh, those annotations or those types or those classes um, which have been already used for related similar uh, content which was already edited before. And that actually helps to avoid redundancy, helps to cluster um, the content of the wikis, uh, and helps uh, um, other ordinary users uh, also, uh, for example, uh, in search or navigation, and improve the page presentation, as we can see on uh, on the next slide. Next slide, please. Okay, so... Uh, here we, here we can see, on this slide, uh, slide we can see a screenshot where, uh, the use of metadata is, uh, actually highlighted or use of annotations, uh, is highlighted uh, on the screenshot. So, under, under the, um, page title, uh, under the bilberry, um, one can see, uh, categories or types which are used to classify the web page or the content uh, which is placed in the wiki. Then on the right top corner uh, of uh, the content there, you can see a small um, um, widget which, uh, which shows content-dependent uh, uh, presentation or additional classifications which, which is related to, to the presented uh, content. As, uh, as another usage of annotations. And then on the top right uh, corner of the, of the whole uh, wiki, IkeWiki, we can see uh, another widget um, where more types or more uh, classes are shown uh, for navigational uh, purposes. And user, of course, can click on any of those and can actually use them to um, go through or to connect to uh, additional related pages or cluster of pages or browse through um, uh, additional content which is associated to subtypes or uh, classes which are related through some uh, uh, relations or properties uh, and so on. Next slide, please. Right. Uh, one of your questions uh, uh, was how to actually import uh, semantic annotations or uh, how to make them. So IkeWiki uh, paradigm, if I can call it paradigm, or IkeWiki approach is that, uh, as I pointed also before, people should uh, uh, should have uh, easy, easier tools to actually add them or to make them annotate pages annotate content um, as easy as possible whenever they are entering the new content, right? So to make the, the technical barriers as low as possible. Because as we know, it's not just us uh, uh, technical geeks who, who are using the, the wikis. Uh, many people are not technical, not skilled uh, knowledge engineers or ontology engineers uh, that uh, they would be able to add... Um, uh, annotations or or uh, classifications or classes or properties simply by using um, traditional editors like Protege or others. So in IkiWiki, um, we actually, or Sebastian actually thought about uh, having recommendations 
or uh, a user interface uh, where people can select from um, potentially useful annotations or can enter them um, in a user-friendly in a user-friendly way. Whenever it is adding a content or whenever it is a, a, a uh, adding an annotation uh, or whenever it is adding a link, typing classifications and properties, they should be added uh, um, in the simplest possible way. And the next slide will actually show how it is possible in MakerWiki. Next slide, please. Yes, so um, in the middle of the screenshot which is displayed on the on the slide, you can see that there is a widget or a, or a box when one can select from uh, possible uh, link types which are available uh, in vocabularies imported into or added into the um, IkiWiki, right? Um, again, uh, there is a possibility to add uh, page types uh, under the uh, title uh, of the page. Um, but also, Ikiwiki showed about more advanced users, and uh, those advanced users can actually use um, uh, advanced features or advanced tabs uh, where they can um, add uh, RDF-based annotations if they like to, or, or they can show the annotations as a, as a graph if, if they would like to, and this is all supported in the Ikiwiki. Uh, and those features are ad highlighted under advanced features. Next slide, please. Um, just a warning, uh, three minutes. Oh, I'm too slow. Good. Next slide, please. So I just keep, uh, uh, I just go quicker. So uh, on the on this slide you see uh, an IkiWiki architecture. So you can you can see that RDF is uh, stored separately from Pages, uh, pages are stored as XML data in uh, blocks uh, and um, in Postgres database, and RDF is stored through Jena persistence uh, uh, layer. Um, both of them uh, go through a rendering pipeline and transformation, and depending on the feature or a tab which is selected, uh, either HTML is rendered as it was shown on the previous pictures, or Wiki inter interchange for format is rendered. Um, uh, if, if uh, that feature was selected. Uh, next slide, please. Um, right, so XSLT transformations are used uh, to render right content, uh, um, as, as I already mentioned, and uh, Postgres SQL and Jena RDF memory and OODL reasoning supported by Jena is used to uh, actually uh, infer additional, uh, additional uh, facts or additional uh, metadata um, if needed. Next slide, please. Uh, okay, so that was IkiWiki as a base platform which we adopted in Kiwi project, which started in March uh, uh, this year. Uh, in IkiWiki, we tried to go beyond. Uh, in, in Kiwi project, we tried to go beyond the um, uh, IkiWiki or traditional semantic wikis. We tried to extend it with additional reasoning capabilities. Uh, we try to extend it with additional information extraction and personalization algorithms, and we add uh, content uh, access uh, related uh, functionality like transactions and uh, versioning. Plus, we are trying to support um, web to zero way of building new social applications um, 
on top of the semantic wiki. And on the next slide, we can see what do we mean by that. Yes, so through perspective, we can actually change uh, the meaning or the, the context of the application. So this slide shows uh, a view or a perspective um, over Kiwi system as traditional uh, wiki. So again, you can see widgets and the main content window as in traditional wikis. Next slide, please. Here you see another application which is also built on top of the on top of the uh, Kiwi system as such, but the context is completely different. So main main content is actually a map where people can tag interesting places, and there are additional widgets uh, which help to search through or locate uh, um, places. Uh, based on annotations or full-text search, right? So this is what we mean by flexible applications. And Kiwi technology already now um, contains uh, support for this uh, through FSA, unified access to data and metadata through Kiwi, Kiwi Entity Manager services and action beans which provide additional functionality for the users, and Java server uh, faces views which specify uh, or provide different user interfaces as we saw on the previous pictures. I think that's all. On the next slide, you can see, well, project facts, FP7 uh, project duration 30, 36 months, um, several partners, and then next slide actually uh, address, contact address for uh, Sebastian Shepherd, who is a coordinator of the project. I am a deputy coordinator and Alborg University provides personalization algorithms and supports one of the use cases, uh, which is uh, software project management uh, with semantic wikis. Thank you for your attention. Excellent. Thank you. I, I, I apologize to all of the speakers for the limited time, but um, we, we have so many presentations that it's important that we stick to the, the clock as much as possible. So much appreciated. And our next speaker is going to be Mr. Tobias Kuhn. And if you can click on the slide that Kuhn. Here's Tobias Kuhn. Can you hear me? Yes, indeed. Loud and clear. Okay, my voice is okay? Yes. Okay, perfect. So, I'm Tobias Kuhn. I'm from the University of Zurich. And I will talk about AceWiki. Uh, slide two, please. Okay. So, AceWiki is, we can say, a new kind of semantic wiki uh, with the goals of achieving good usability even for completely untrained people, like people that are just passing by AceWiki. Uh, such people should be able to understand the formal content of AceWiki and in the ideal case also be able to modify and extend the content of the formal content of the wiki. Still, we want to achieve high expressivity, so we want to say things uh, that you can express in OWL, for example, and even beyond. And in order to, to achieve those goals, we uh, use controlled English to write the, actually to write the articles in our wiki. So the content of the wiki is controlled English. Slide three, please. So the controlled uh, English we are using is attempt to controlled English or ACE. It's a controlled 
English that has been developed at the University of Zurich in, in, during the last years or even decades. And the general idea is to take a subset of English and to control it in a way to put restrictions on it so that it can be translated automatically and unambiguously into first order logic, and from there we can transform it into OWL, SWIRL, and several other languages. From the English um, point uh, perspective, we support quite a wide range of natural English uh, constructs. You can find a list here of some of them, just to show that uh, compared to other controlled natural languages, we support a quite uh, rich subset of English. Slide 4, please. So here we see a screenshot of the AceWiki uh, web interface. As you can see, it looks more or less like a common wiki interface. Uh, what's shown here is an article about continents, and the content of this article is written in our controlled English in Ace. So those sentences, every continent is an area, every continent is a part of the Earth. They look completely like natural English, but in fact, this is a formal language, and in the background it's translated into first or logic and then into OWL, and this is then used by the built-in reasoner uh, to do reasoning with the complete content of the wiki. So in contrast to IkeWiki that was just shown before, uh, the, the actual articles are, are formal. So we are not using kind of meta-statements, but we write articles in a formal language, in a formal semantic language. We can also have uh, questions in our language, and those questions in the wiki are then automatically answered by the built-in reasoner. So you can see here the question, what is a continent? And we get seven or so answers from the content of the wiki. Next slide, please. So we are now on slide five, for those who are not using this online desktop. ACWIKI uses five kinds of words, five types of word clauses. ACE itself supports even more, but we are using only those here. Uh, first, proper names are used for uh, to denote individuals, like Switzerland, Bob Dylan, for example. Uh, I have to say that all words have to be defined before they can be used. So, uh, before one can use such a word like Switzerland, one has to say this is a proper name, and from then on, it can be used only as a proper name. Then, nouns are uh, used to represent classes, like country, person. Then, for binary relations or properties, we have three different uh, possibilities to represent them in the wiki, which is first, transitive verbs, like owns or contains. Then of constructs, like part of, friend of. And finally, what we call transitive adjectives, like located in and used for. So, as examples. Next slide, please. Can you hear me? Yeah, right. Okay. So now you're on slide six. As I mentioned already, uh, AceWiki includes an OWL reasoner, but ACE itself is more expressive than OWL, so we can say things like no country borders every country, which cannot be expressed in OWL, 
but it can be expressed in ACE, and it can be expressed in ACE wiki, and we can translate it into first or logic. And I don't want to restrict myself uh, to OWL in ACE wiki. Maybe in the future, uh, we want to use another reasoner, or we want to use a rule engine, or whatever. And so I still want to support such statements, and but we cannot do reasoning with it at the moment because we have only an OWL reasoner behind uh, behind the scenes. And so, in order to make this case the user, we just use this uh, red icon in front of the sentence. So, otherwise, it's blue, which means used for reasoning. And this, in those cases, it's red and means cannot be used for reasoning. The reason is used for various tasks. I will now show some more, like give some more details about it. We do consistency checking, individual classification, class hierarchy extraction, and query answering. Slide seven, please. So the most important one is consistency checking. So each time when a new sentence is added, immediately after uh, the user clicked OK to add it to the wiki, then it's checked whether it is in conflict with the rest of the wiki content. And if this is the case, then it's uh, first a warning message is shown to the user, and secondly, it's then uh, displayed in this red font to indicate to the user this is inconsistent and it's not it's not going to be used uh, for reasoning. Such statements can later be reasserted when the rest of the ontology has changed, or they can be deleted, or whatever. And this is very important because if we don't have a consistent ontology then reasoning doesn't make any sense, so we cannot do reasoning, actually. And this is a problem that other semantic wikis do not have because their uh, semantic languages are simply not expressive enough or they are not using uh, a level of expressivity where inconsistency can occur. Slide 8, please. Okay, I've shown before already that we can also state questions in ACE which are used as queries in ACEWIKI. So at the moment only such inline queries in the article themselves are allowed, which are then in the article answered by the reasoner, as you have seen before on the screenshot. Here's some more examples. Slide 9, please. And now there's one missing thing, so to say. We believe that a sentences and controlled English sentences in general are very easy to understand because they look familiar, they look like natural English, so it's actually very easy to understand, to read and understand them. But writing such uh, sentences is much more complicated because we have restrictions on the language. It's a controlled English, not a natural English, and those restrictions have to be considered when writing such uh, sentences. And so we have to handle this problem somehow. And in ACEWIKI, we provide a predictive editor that shows the user step-by-step step what words or uh, short phrases he can use next in the sentence. So the editor looks ahead in the grammar and sees what can follow next. The next slide, number 10, shows now a screenshot of this editor. So here the partial sentence, every area is... This has already been entered by the user, and now at this point, the editor shows what kind of words can 
can be assert uh, can be added here. So one can can add a. Then it will be every error is a. One can add a proper name like Africa or a passive verb. One can refer to the area. So every area is the area. Doesn't make much sense in this particular uh, sentence. But in general, we can refer to uh, objects introduced earlier in the sentence. We can also have variable, uh, variables which are not so natural, but still quite understandable. Slide 11, please. Sorry? Four minutes or... Five. Five minutes. Okay, that's plenty of time. Okay, actually, I'm already almost done. Some technical details. Uh, ASWIC is currently uh, in its alpha stage, so I guess it's not yet ready to be used in real-world application. We use the reasoner palette in the background, but, yeah, this is not very important actually, so it could be changed easily. The ontology can be exported in our 2 format through the interface. Uh, we make use of modern HX technologies by applying the very nice Echo Web Framework, which allows to write such applications simply in Java in a very nice way. And there are important features that are still missing, that's why we call it uh, an alpha version. So, for example, history undo facility, of course, it's crucial for a real-world uh, wiki. User management, ontology import, this is not yet possible. So, so far we focused on, on features that are interesting from a scientific point of view, and those things have been done and are not so interesting from that point of view. Uh, if you are interested in that and want to contribute or whatever, all the tools or most of the tools are available under LGPL license, so everyone who wants to uh, cooperate or uh, just reuse it is uh, invited to do so. Uh, slide 12, please. Okay, in order to find out whether ASWIC is uh, easy to use or not, we did a small-scale usability experiment, and we recruited some participants, and we told them that they should add general and verifiable knowledge to, to such an ASWIC instance. Uh, without receiving any kind of instructions how to deal with the interface. And then we, we checked those statements and we found out that 80% of the created sentences were correct and sensible, so uh, it made sense to state those statements and they were correct in the real world. And even more interesting, 61% of those correct sentences uh, contains negation or implication or both. So, uh, that, uh, they were not just simple, uh, like Bob Dylan is, is a musician senses, but they were quite complicated, most of them. Okay, I think this was almost the last slide. The next one, yeah, that's it. If you want to have more information, please visit the ASWIC page and thanks for your attention. Thank you very much. Uh, a very interesting uh, discussion. Um, just might want to draw people's note to or attention to the uh, the chat session if questions come up um, during the discussions. You can certainly post them on the chat session, and uh, we can discuss them further afterwards. 
Our next speaker is uh, Mr. Christoph Lang. I'm going to talk about about the Semantic Wiki SWIM, that is an abbreviation for Semantic Wiki for Mathematical Knowledge Management. That is a yeah, wiki for working on mathematical documents, and you could you could even call them uh, mathematical ontologies in a sense. Now, uh, the next slide, please. Slide two. Here, I'm going to shortly introduce this this field of mathematical knowledge management. Um, Knowledge management in this community is is meant in in a very general sense, so any kind of automatically dealing with knowledge, um, not as in enterprise knowledge management. And one important goal in this field is to support collaborative authoring of documents in order in order to make them usable for applying automated services to them, and that is usually done by by writing these documents in a semantic markup languages. There are certain certain common languages for doing that. The most well-known one is uh, the W3C standard MathML that has one presentation-oriented sub-language and one, um, one semantic, rather semantic uh, sub-language, which you see in the, in the example box on, on the slide. Then there is a, a language that is quite similar to the semantic sub-language of MathML. This is called OpenMath. And then there is a language called Omdoc that is uh, developed in our research group that, is, that adds a few layers on top, where MathML and OpenMath can just uh, be used to mark up individual mathematical formulas. With Omdoc, you get the whole structure of mathematical knowledge as you may know it from textbooks like uh, definition, theorem, proof, and theories, and whole documents. These, so the layers of knowledge in, in Omdoc are symbols that can be compared to, to concepts in semantic web ontologies. Then one layer above that you have statements, which can be compared to axioms in semantic web ontologies. Then you have theories, that is, in a way, whole ontologies, and you can you can put these parts into into documents. Um, now there is a, a bottleneck in in this in this area. So you once you have such formal knowledge, you have many applications. There are applications for e-learning. There are search engines, and there are change management systems, but. An important question is how to acquire this knowledge. That is, what, what services do you need uh, to support the authoring workflow? In this box, there is a simple, uh, an example of a very simple formula in the semantic sublanguage of MathML that is just uh, 1 plus n. But here we make everything explicit to make it machine understandable. We say that the plus is a symbol that is defined at some URL in some ontology, then we say that 1 is an integer number and that n is, is an identifier of a variable. And, well, that, of course, needs authoring support. Now, please, to the next slide. Now we are on slide 3. Let me talk about the, the way of knowledge representation that, that I use in the SWIM wiki. 
The difference of of swim to many other semantic wikis is that that the markup of our mathematical documents is is quite deeply nested. If you think, for example, of a mathematical proof, it can have steps, and these steps can again have sub-steps, and you can even make local definitions that are only valid for one proof step. So the markup is complex, and you have lots of lots of cross-references. So, for example, you can say this this is a proof that proves that theorem, which is probably on a different wiki page, or you can say um, this proof step uses uh, is justified by referring to another theorem that has been proved earlier. So one important question was what should the right granularity of a wiki page be. And my choice was to put um, to put one mathematical statement on one wiki page, where a statement is something like a declaration of a symbol, a definition, an axiom, a theorem, or a proof, or an example, and so on. And then, uh, these, these pages are encoded in in those mathematical markup languages, that is, in, in, in Omdoc, or um, on top of OpenMath, there is also a very simple language that you can use to define symbols in a semi-formal way. So this is the native language of the pages, and then I'm going to extract the outline of this knowledge to RDF in order to, to be able to use uh, search and navigation services in, in a wiki, and the goal is to build yeah, to build semantic wiki-like services on top of this extracted RDF knowledge. That meant I, I had to develop an ontology for that, that models the structures of mathematical knowledge. For example, as you see in that graph uh, below, that every proof proves a theorem. And, and then there are, there are, of course, more such relations in this ontology and also uh, Computed ones like uh, where saying when when a p artifact of mathematical knowledge depends on others. So, for example, when I define one symbol in terms of other symbols, I'm I'm establishing a dependency. Now to the next slide, please. This is slide four. A first look into the system. As a technical base, I I chose IkiWiki, which Peter Dolog presented earlier because it offers a strong and well-designed infrastructure for XML and for RDF. I chose this because, because I'm dealing with XML-based markup languages. The basic services in, in the SWIM wiki are editing these mathematical documents, presenting them in a human-readable way, that is, rendering the this, this semantic markup to something that you can read, then uh, navigation via these navigation widgets uh, that Peter already explained in his talk. Then discussing about about things in a way in a specific way, which I am going to talk about later, and potentially other services. There are two links given here where you can see a demo. The first link is um, a general demo of the wiki where you can also. Uh, create a user account and play around. There is not too much meaningful content in there, but you can try anything. And the second link is 
the more realistic setting where this wiki is currently being used by a few people. That is um, <coughs> the use case of engineering lightweight mathematical ontologies in the OpenMath project. There you have so-called content dictionaries, which are, you could compare them to RDFS ontologies. That is, flat uh, collections of, of mathematical symbols which are defined in, in a rather informal way and then explained by, by a few properties that they have and, and examples. So then let's go on to the next slide. This is slide 5 now. A more detailed view on the editor. Um, there are there are several ways of editing knowledge in SWIM. The most important one is the document editor that, that supports um, parts of, of the semantic markup languages. That is, um, in this editor you can say, let's make, turn this section of text into into a definition or into a proof step, then certain boxes are added around this uh, that's, yeah, that represent this annotation. Then there is also a dedicated form-based editor for metadata, which is the same as, as in IkiWiki, only that uh, the metadata, they are obtained from from the documents in the semantic markup languages when they are imported into the wiki. So you can you can import existing documents even from uh, subversion repositories. That's quite that's quite common. Many many people who are working on these documents have them in subversion repositories as XML files, and of course you can also export them again from the wiki. And then there is a dedicated editor for formulas, which which you can see on the screenshot. That is um, a visual editor, but but it is not just presentation oriented, but it it is semantic in the sense that it it knows what what the symbol looks like. So, um, for example, you can have the times operator for multiplication. You can have an it's in an invisible appearance, but but you to the you have to tell the editor I want. I want to use multiplication and then and then formal reference to to some symbol identifier will be established. One minute. Um, yeah, now let's go to the next slide. This would then be slide number six. A short view on the on the way discussions work in SWIM. There is a structured workflow for discussing problems with artifacts of mathematical knowledge and for discussing solutions. This is done using an argumentation ontology. Um, originally, this was uh, the diligent argumentation ontology, and now it is still heavily inspired by this, but we're working on turning this into, into a module for the shock ontology, and we're trying to, to advertise this for usage on on general social media sites, but for my purpose, I, I created some domain-specific extensions to this ontology, which you can see in the screenshot on the slide, that you can say, um, so let me first explain the, the actual workflow of, of such a discussion. You can raise problems with a certain artifact of knowledge that is on a wiki page. These are called issues in this argumentation ontology. Um, 
and then people can come up with ideas how to how to solve these issues, and then um, even others can can add certain arguments to these ideas or vote on these ideas. And in the end, it, the community would take a decision and also document this by a discussion post. And now I conducted a survey to which you can also see the link here, and I I would like to. Um, to invite you to take this survey if you have ever dealt with mathematical knowledge um, the survey is still open there I, I try to figure out what, what problems are common with mathematical knowledge and how are they usually solved and then the goal is to to provide some assistance in, in this discussion view to, so that people can, can select a particular type of problem that applies to the artifact of knowledge that is on the associated wiki page and where people can can select from, from a list of typical solutions that would usually be applied to this problem. Um, in, this, in this screenshot you see that the discussion is about some mathematical definition and with mathematical definitions you can have certain problems. You cannot have the problem that a definition is wrong in the logical sense, because only a proof or a theorem can be wrong, but you can have the problem, which you see here, that it is not clear whether such something that has been defined is actually useful. And then a possible, a possible solution to that problem would be to provide an example that explains in where this definition can be applied in order to do something useful. And then you can see that, that for every discussion post of a certain type, there are specific reply buttons that, that try to control, um, that try to give, to lead the discussion into, into a direction that is, um, that goes towards the solution of a problem. You, you need to wrap up. And then I'm, I'm working on implementing semi-automatic assistance for, 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 for solving problems in a standard way, but, but that is still in the very early stage. So at the moment I can only delete some knowledge item that's, that got a bad feedback in such a discussion, or I can, I can create a new page that, that would contain an example. Okay, now let's go to the next slide. Um, you, we need to wrap up. Um, we're reading time. Slide 7. Two use cases where um, that's, that inspired the system and where the system is applied. One is uh, this OpenMath project that I already mentioned. Um, there, the wiki is actually applied, as you, as you see when you, when you click on that link. Um, OpenMath is, yeah, first of all, a semantic markup language for mathematical formulas, but it also comes with a large set of standard ontologies that provide the, the well-known mathematical operators. So, for example, arithmetic operators, uh, trigonometric functions, set theory, logics, and so on. And yeah, the user interface that is used there is, well, mainly the formula editor, then metadata editing, and um, there is also support for editing notation definitions for symbols. So if, if we have the times operator and have a formal identifier for it, we still, we still need to say what this operator should look like if, if a wiki page is, is rendered with presentational outputs. And then there is some support for, 
for changing the appearance of symbols is if the if the open mass uh, the people in the open mass project should decide that they they want to have a different standard appearance for the multiplication operator because some other appearance is just more common then then the system makes it easy for them to change to change this appearance and all affected documents would be re-rendered. And then another use case... Christoph? Uh, yes? Christoph? Uh, you're, you're at time. I'm sorry. I, my, my voice wasn't coming through apparently. Ah. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I apologize, but we've exhausted the time window. Okay. Um, may I say one, two final yes. sentences? Yeah, two more sentences. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, this other use case uh, that, that gave me a lot of inspiration, but there the system is not yet used. And on, on the final slide, there are some thoughts about how, how to generalize uh, the approach that I took with SWIM to mathematics, how to generalize this to other scientific domains. And that's, that's then Thank all. You. Thank you. Thank you. I, I apologize for the abrupt cutoff. Apparently my voice wasn't being heard. But... Uh, Excellent. Uh, our next presentation will be uh, Professor Hip. If you can press uh, yes. star three. Actually, I tried to do it already, so can you hear me? Oh, there you are, and we can hear you. Yep. So okay. this is okay. the presentation slide set four, and uh, we'll let you go at it. Okay, so I will try to give a brief overview of the Myontology Project, which um, is an Austrian research project that um, tried to uh, provide a platform for an engineering um, vocabularies by lay audiences. Uh, I'm now on slide one, and so we can proceed uh, to slide two. Um, what we did is pretty different from what was uh, presented so far because uh, we are not aiming at developing a wiki for um, capturing knowledge, but we are solely interested in developing a wiki in which um, lay people can define identifiers uh, for um, relevant conceptual entities. So this becomes probably clearer um, if you look at slide two, the starting point. Um, we wanted to make the semantic web for e-commerce reality so that people can describe what they are offering and that uh, uh, customers can express what they are looking for very precisely um, using ontologies. The main bottleneck was that for most domains of interest, uh, there were no um, sufficiently complete detailed and current ontologies available. Uh, the two closest things you can find are large categorization schemas like ECAS and UNSPSE and ontologies derived from them, them which provide some 20 or 30,000 types of products. But um, what is actually being traded um, are things that are much more specific than the categories providing there. And in many domains, you, can, you, you don't even find uh, sufficiently um, uh, large and current ontologies at all, even at the level of pure vocabularies. So if you just expect from the ontology to provide um, unique identifiers for entities, not speaking of um, richly axiomatized ontologies at all. So that would be even better, but even at the level of a controlled vocabulary, we didn't have that. And our assumption was that 
there are several bottlenecks of the, uh, at that time, uh, dominating uh, innovative ontology construction approach, which means that a small, very skilled community builds the ontologies for the semantic web and the broad uh, lay audiences just use them. The first problem is that uh, having an ontology designed by a small elite makes the whole process overly slow because um, all feedback, all conceptual evolution in the domain must be processed by a small group. So, for example, in the product and services area, new types of products come up due to product innovation. New attributes become relevant due to technological advancement and stuff like that. So, an ontology that is maintained only every now and then, every year or so, by um, a, a few very skilled individuals may not reflect... Um, uh, they may not contain new elements soon enough. And the main problem in here is that um, the the most uh, the, the newest conceptual elements are often those that would be most valuable um, uh, when it comes to using semantic technology. So um, the very established concepts um, are not so useful because uh, in there often terminology has um, uh, converged. So pure language-based search works also better. Second problem is that an elitist ontology construction process will often lack input because uh, in many cases users have no means of telling the uh, maintainer of an ontology that something is missing. I mean, think of the many abandoned ontology projects lingering around on the web where it's completely unclear whom to send an email to to tell there's an, an, or that there's an element missing. Second it's often, even though the user spots, spots the need for a new element, it may often be too much a burden for them um, to report it to the developer. I mean, if you don't find an element you need in a controlled vocabulary, um, you will not always take the time to write in, to find out whom to send an email to and actually to write an email to you. So, if this is difficult, then the ontology will, will um, be incomplete because um, there's lack of community input. The third problem we found was that the documentation of uh, available ontologies was often badly in shape. And people were very um, uh, fancy about a lot of accents in the ontology, but they didn't even have labels and descriptions in natural languages. Also completely leaving out um, the vast body of terminology research, um, uh, which tried to provide guidelines on how you should name classes and how you should describe classes in natural languages. Uh, so that um, misunderstandings are avoided. And also, URIs were often not irreferentable. I mean, it was uh, only recently, in the past probably 12 months, that um, developers and ontologists took the time to make the, their, uh, the URIs and their conceptual elements irreferentable, which means, well, it's simply that if you use the URI of an element and you type that URI into a browser, you can look up what it means. So you can check easily what knows or is friend of and stuff like that actually means. So like three, please. Um, on the other hand, wikis um, have proven to be a great thing uh, for many things. Uh, in particular, a great thing to establish URIs. Uh, they provide a minimal entrance barrier for establishing URIs. With establishing, I mean defining the meaning of a URI um, getting community consensus about what the UI stands for. 
Everybody can easily look up what the URI stands for. So if we are talking about the URI representing John Lennon in Wikipedia, everybody can quickly check whether we're talking about the same individual. And then we did some analysis uh, in a paper published in 2007 on the uh, conceptual stability of Wikipedia URIs. We could show that despite that was never that that was never an intention of uh, Wikipedia's um, developers. The URIs in Wikipedia are surprisingly stable. From the, we get representative samples and show that from the first page ever created um, to the most current definition, change never means that, the, uh, or almost never means that um, what is being referred to changes. So content might change, pictures are added. But very rarely, a Wikipedia change, their page um, changes its meaning, what it stands for. So Wikipedia URIs are surprisingly stable identified for conceptual entities, and with now more than 2.5 million elements, it's maybe the largest set of URIs uh, with uh, consensually um, defined meaning attached. Um, and the fourth point was that we observe that most of the problems that are used to motivate so many web research can be solved by unique identifiers alone. <laughs> so many problems that people cite when they um, call for uh, ontologies and uh, more formal structures uh, can be at least mitigated substantially if you have um, your eyes for meaning. So the whole synonyms and homonyms problems in documents can be solved by uh, your eyes alone. Uh, relationships between elements can be typed, at least for humans, if you if you are able to define what you mean with a certain um, uh, relationship and always use the same identifier um, for it. Of course, some other things, uh, some, some more powerful features require um, more formal structures, like modern transitivity and stuff like that, but with identifiers alone, you can already um, contribute a lot. And you see that uh, of the most frequently used vocabularies on the semantic web, like Soul and Dublin Core, you, you don't have more than basically URIs for um, uh, classes and for relationship types. Uh, slide uh, 40. Now, the basic idea of um, uh, my ontology was let's use a standard wiki adapted, um, provide a little bit of technology so that we can um, distinguish what. Uh, type of conceptual element you are defining, and use that wiki to allow lay people to establish your eyes for classes, for relationship types, and for ontologically significant instances, like, for example, values for individuals, but just on the vocabulary level. Um, and, of course, such a simple approach um, will create some problems. Uh, which we'll address in a second, but um, the, the main advantage is you can quickly establish a URI and describe in natural language what it stands for. So what do you mean by, well, what, what a used car is, and what do you mean by German and stuff like that. A nice feature of wikis is also that uh, they naturally integrate multimedia elements that can be used to um, uh, reach consensus um, on the meaning associated with that identifier. I mean, think of, for example, describing certain fruits or um, dishes or activities. Using multimedia elements, it's fairly simple to reach consensus of what you're talking of. Um, 
in, in formal terms or even in language, and it's, it's pretty difficult. I mean, think of the very specific terminology for species. Uh, even people who have a good command of English but are non native speakers will often have a hard time um, naming uh, uh, ingredients and uh, species and whatever is properly. So, the media elements are pretty easy. Um, now, of course, for secure wiki um, will grow wildly. People will um, create redundant entries and stuff like that. So, this wild, uncontrolled uh, growth must be supported by mechanisms that help the community to converge uh, on concepts. And we adopt the basic idea of special pages found in MediaWiki and other wiki uh, systems. So we allow everybody to create a page denoting a class, a uh, relationship type, or, uh, or an individual. And uh, with some background scripts, we create, in nightly batch runs, we create pages that point the community to um, improvements in that would um, uh, converge and it would make the uh, vocabulary converge a lot. So a typical example is if there are two pages referring to classes that are likely identical or sufficiently similar, then on a special page, um, candidate matches, we list classes that the community should look um, at and probably consolidate them, uh, so merging them and differentiating um, uh, one of them, for example. So basic idea is to search all that by, um, by background scripts, same as the similar uh, with the special pages in MediaWiki. And if you look at uh, Wikipedia, you can see that the set of probably 20 special pages that list the shortest pages, um, awesome pages that nobody links to, picture pages that don't have an abstract and stuff like that, those are pages that make it easy for good people, for gardeners in the Wiki space to uh, to improve the quality of the content. And we simply adopt that idea in um, in Mindology with uh, quite some success. And there's a pluggable, um, there's an API that allows plugging in um, and experimenting um, with um, novel uh, novel modules for um, spotting uh, potential improvements. So that's the basic idea of uh, Mindology. Um, there's more to say about it, but we want to keep the, uh, you, you asked me to keep the presentation short. So, uh, on slide uh, 5 now, you see a screenshot of the prototype. It's also available at um, Um One important thing to notice, though, we assume that one big ontology in Mindology. So, we just have one set of um, conceptual elements, but of course, this may be hard to navigate, so we have something called the main vocabulary or ontology modules, in which you can um, uh, bundle a subset of the elements that are defined um, to make it more uh, manageable. Um, the whole thing uses an extremely lightweight meta model, uh, so we just have uh, uh, classes, um, relationship types, data, uh, so basically data type properties and object properties, and ontologically significant instances. Um, we use an adaptive um, uh, tag cloud, adaptive uh, uh, cloud for um, ranking those elements, for displaying those elements that we think are most uh, useful, so to make that um, easily navigable. Um, one thing that should be noted also: you can import all ontologies into my ontology. 
and you can export any ontology module in O. So one idea is, for example, that a community starts um, an approach by collecting named entities in my ontology and consolidate them uh, in this very very lightweight maker model. At some point in time, an administrator can freeze that module, export an old module and um, an an old uh, uh, variant, and we find that um, in a traditional uh, ontology editor. So you can download the old ontology and edit it in strategy if you want. Or another scenario is uh, assume a research project develops a nice ontology but doesn't have any resources to host it permanently and has no resources to uh, maintain it, then you can upload it to Mountology and dedicate it to, to uh, and, and add it to the Mountology content so that it lives on Mountology and users can simply add new elements. That would be very interesting, in my opinion, for, for example, ontologies developed in PhD students in a PhD thesis or so. So that you keep your value, your value to work alive. Okay, so... Um, then please proceed to slide number um, six. Well, what are the features? We have a very lightweight meta model. When importing, by the way, um, and uh, you will not be able to um, represent all features from the original ontology in our meta model, but uh, to support some kind of round tripping, uh, we carry them along as uh, in a um, common field. So you could, if you, if you have a rich ontology, want uh, to uh, want uh, to upload it to my ontology and, and export it at a later point in time, you have some support for carrying along features that our meta model does not uh, support. Um, we have a deep integration with Flickr, WordNet, YouTube, and Wikipedia. And so, for example, for um, attaching an image that explains well a certain concept, you can easily include a Flickr image. Um, also, we help you including uh, augmented on a lexical level by adding uh, synonyms from WordNet. For some, in particular for actions, um, videos or other um, um, animations may be helpful. You can also look them up on YouTube and include them, uh, or include references to them in, in the ontology. And of course, Wikipedia, if a Wikipedia um, page exists, that um, has a related concept you can um, uh, link up with Wikipedia or copy abstracts from that. It's noteworthy that Wikipedia um, contains more than 250,000 pages reflecting products and services categories. So there are really good identifiers for things like laser printer, computer mouse, and iPhone, and, and I don't know what, really with good definition and image. So that everybody basically knows uh, what is meant by that URI. The fourth point that we thought was very important is to have a proper legal framework right from the beginning for all contributions. So we use a Creative Commons license. Everybody contributing must sign up to that Creative Commons license so that we have a solid legal ground for um, exporting, for republishing, exporting the ontologies created. So then, uh, basically, that was the talk to the next slide. Yeah, we, we, are, we are through, as you said, on slide 7, I have two references that I would like to recommend. One is called Harvesting Wiki Consensus, that's an IEEE Internet Computing Table, um, in which we present our analysis on the conceptual stability of Wikipedia entries, and we also 
um, break down the two, uh, at that point, 1.8 million Wikipedia entries by ontological um, super categories, uh, according to the Proton Ontology. And the second paper, the Proton Ontology, was a discussion on um, uh, real-world constraints on developing ontologies. And uh, I saw that in uh, something in the wiki, uh, a wiki uh, paper that was also cited here. I, I will try to summarize the tactical and business constraints in developing ontologies in a heavyweight manner. So, yeah, then slide eight, please. That's just a brief. Thanks for your interest, and uh, then we will have a stimulating discussion at the end. But thanks very much. Thanks. Uh, much appreciated. Our, our next presentation, um, let me switch over the web page here, uh, will be uh, Dr. Uh, Surin Hauer, if I got the name correct, on OntoWiki. And that yes. slide. Can you hear me well? Yes, very well. Right. Um, could I ask a favor? I'm, I'm doing a terrible job of uh, moderating here. When, when I give a five-minute warning, if you hear me, could you uh, just give a quick acknowledge so I know I've got Okay, it. sure. We'll do that too much. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I'm... Um representing the OntoWiki team, and in particular Sebastian Dietold, who is the maintainer of OntoWiki. He unfortunately could not be here tonight because he's playing with his band. So, um, are we seeing the first slide? Second uh, slide is a overview about um, the content of the talk. But so, yeah. <clears throat> First um, part of the slides uh, is a little comparison uh, with other semantic wikis or with the semantic wiki concepts, and uh, especially with regard to differences and similarities. Then uh, I will present some features, the overall vision of OntoWiki, and some use cases in the end. So maybe we can proceed to the next slide now. Um, semantic wikis often and as we also saw in the previous presentations, um, enrich uh, traditional or classical wikis with uh, semantic capabilities, for example, by adding additional syntactic features to the wiki code uh, to have some kind of semantic code. And um, the aim is usually to have wiki pages as well as a knowledge base. And uh, both together, so some implementations are media wiki, uh, the most semantic media wiki, most uh, popular uh, semantic wiki maybe Rhizome, EKWiki, and uh, some of the others uh, which were just presented. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Um, the idea of OntoWiki is slightly different. We uh, don't want to um, use wiki code or uh, add uh, additional syntax to wiki code. We want to make it as easy as possible also for users and users to use OntoWiki. So um, OntoWiki uses a form-based approach. And maybe we can switch to the next slide here again. So each um, page basically um, can uh, contain forms and, and you can edit your knowledge base by means of forms so you don't have to learn any syntax uh, you just if you see something on the uh, wiki page or an onto wiki 
page and you want to add something or edit something, you can just click or switch to some kind of edit modus and then all the individual uh, fragments this page is composed of will uh, be made editable by means of forms and you can directly enter your information there and save it to the um, uh, knowledge base and um, onto wiki uses as base artifacts triples, RDF triples. So basically everything you see on the onto wiki user interface are triples. So if uh, you see that on the screenshot here, you have properties. Each page somehow is a view of a certain resource. And then you have uh, properties in the left column in blue and on the right here in that example for a person, Thomas Richard, colleague of mine, you have uh, the property values or the objects of the triples, which can be literals or links to other um, resources, object properties, and you can edit this uh, form based directly on the web pages. Next slide, please. A further consequence is that we also don't have wiki pages in the traditional se um, sense in OntoWiki but um, some kind of views of resources. So we can also here switch to the next page. Uh, these are basically, it's one slide which is sliced here into two. And uh, on slide seven, we see different views, uh, for example, for resource of uh, Thomas Richard in that case. First uh, is a uh, the view of all properties and property values, uh, basically some kind of uh, concise bound uh, description of the resource rendered as HTML, or if there are special properties available, you can also switch to some map view if there is a location or an address given, or you can switch to calendar view if you have um, uh, dates um, in the description of the resource, and uh, these are different views on the resource. Okay, next slide. <coughs> the concept uh, of OntoWiki, which is very similar or shared between OntoWiki and other wikis, is uh, the idea of um, making it as easy as possible for end users to correct mistakes. So how is that uh, implemented in OntoWiki? And if you switch to the slide 9, uh, we see the editing log of um, OntoWiki, of a resource in OntoWiki on the revision history. And basically all triples which are changed in OntoWiki are logged in this um, log, and you can uh, correct uh, mistakes you encounter by simply rolling back those uh, changes <coughs> from earlier um, editings. So this also works on, on the, directly on the uh, triple data model and not on some kind of, of uh, text, article text pages. Okay, next slide. Uh, some of the features are of OntoWiki are First, regarding the OntoWiki interfaces, um, it provides a Sparkle endpoint. Um, also, it's accessible via WebDAV. It has a RESTful API. There is a command line interface within which you can access from the command line um, prompt. 
and it also um, has an LDAP interface, so it can serve as an LDAP uh, server for or also the Ontowiki user access uh, can be realized via another LDAP server which is used by Ontowiki for authentication purposes. Ontowiki is implemented uh, in PHP and uh, uses My MySQL as a backend. We are currently in the process of um, um, adding a virtuoso storage backend uh, in addition to the traditional MySQL storage in order to improve performance further. Um, yeah, let's switch to the extensibility features on the next slide, which um, include uh, plugins, uh, which can be developed for OntoWiki by in order to change the behavior or the uh, also the uh, user interface, and the user interface can further be adapted by means of themes, so it's also themable. And uh, when we switch to the next slide, there are also access control features implemented. And again, these work directly on the triple RDF uh, data model. So we first have model-based access control, so for different RDF um, models or knowledge bases, you can define who can view or edit uh, the data or the ontologies, the knowledge uh, in individual knowledge bases, but it can be also based on uh, different functions like adding of classes or deleting of classes or statement-based by directly um, uh, providing rules which statements can be edited by certain users or which should not be editable. Okay, next slide. Um, so, summarizing, OntoWiki is um, a data wiki for RDF uh, models. Uh, it, it doesn't um, use text-based syntax to edit um, RDF or to, to encode semantics, but it directly works with uh, RDF-based knowledge bases. So this can be RDF uh, schema or all uh, knowledge bases. Basically everything which can be encoded in RDF can be also edited with uh, using OntoWiki. OntoWiki doesn't have a reasoning component integrated, but it can access uh, reasoners and uh, inferred statements, for example, can be added back to the OntoWiki knowledge base and then will appear also on the, in OntoWiki. But um, reasoning is not um, primary aim of um, OntoWiki or to use reasoning features. But uh, a second part of the vision uh, for OntoWiki is that it's an application framework for semantic web applications or knowledge-intense applications and also to support more adaptive processes and distributed user uh, groups. And OntoWiki is used in quite some uh, of these um, application scenarios where the user interface looks partially completely different from um, the original OntoWiki user interface. And I want to show you on the next slide some examples for that.
Okay. So, um, on slide 14, uh, we see an OntoWiki user interface, which was uh, specifically developed for uh, supporting requirement engineering and software engineering. So, for collecting requirements from a distributed community of users of a software. And um, this user interface looks pretty different from the generic or traditional OntoWiki user interface. Um, several components are not visible, others are changed. And um, for example, you see also here in the um, part down there, similar requirements, which is um, uh, information which is gathered via some text mining methods running on the OntoWiki uh, knowledge base, and uh, this is quite a, a different view or user interface for OntoWiki. On the next slide, slide 15, we will see another uh, OntoWiki user interface. Um, which is actually a web application which can be also accessed on the web, uh, Vacantiland. And um, it's basically a web application which allows you to browse uh, points of interest in the Netherlands and additional information uh, to this uh, points of interest. And it doesn't use uh, any of the OntoWiki user interface elements at all. It has its completely its own. It just uses the OntoWiki API, which is called Airfort, um, in analogy to the Jenna API. And um, this API is here used in conjunction with uh, completely custom tailored uh, web user interface. On the next slide, uh, we have um, now the generic user interface for Vacantiland here, uh, where, the, where it can be used as a content management backend for managing the content in this Vacantiland website. And here you see a class tree on the left-hand side and an instances in the middle. And on the right-hand side, there are further uh, filtering or browsing options, like a facet-based browsing uh, is integrated. What? Okay, um, next slide shows um, OntoWiki um, also used here as a backend for also very different user interface, which is a database or knowledge base of historic information at the University of Leipzig, all professors and their interrelationships and um, uh, their uh, stages of their uh, life and is here modeled in an ontology and then uh, used as a uh, web interface onto Wiki makes it possible to browse this knowledge base on the web and get information about this historical um, data. Uh, this was a collaboration with the Faculty of History. And on the next slide, uh, slide 18, we see
of the backend, uh, so the historians uh, use uh, OntoWiki to uh, update and maintain this knowledge base, which contains more than 500 um, uh, persons or professors which were working at the University of Leipzig before World War II and lots of uh, details about their lives. And they were quite uh, happy because uh, first they had an access database and this rigid structure of a relational database didn't allow them to easily model all the information they wanted to have represented here. Okay, so that's uh, basically all. On the next slide, um, I just have uh, contact information and uh, URL to OntoWiki, which is accessible to at ontowiki.net. It's, it's a, li a little different than um, other semantic wikis because it doesn't have uh, wiki code as such. It's completely form and view based. It works directly on top of an RDF store. And additionally, it's a framework for creating knowledge-intense applications with and different user interfaces. It's quite extensible and um, also supports access control. Okay, thanks a lot. Much appreciated. Okay, I wanted to, I had a quick question for Peter because the sixth talk is, is recorded and um, he had said that what he wanted us to do was uh, select the page and then click it simultaneously. But Peter, will the audio be broadcast over the phone or are we each responsible for our own audio? I will try to put it on the phone and try to sort of get it into the recording as well. Uh, but, of course, the audio will also come through your computer if you're playing it locally. <laughs> this is an interesting new participatory effort. Okay, so, so everybody needs to uh, click on the six set of slides. And um, let's see what I the play button is the, 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 the triangular thing, like right. your VCR, uh, at the lower left corner of that screenshot. So, uh, Peter suggested that I just count down from five, and uh, we, we all press the play button. And uh, uh, if we can, mute our phones, and at the, uh, listen to the talk, and at the end, we will unmute again. So, five, four, three, two, one, play. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Daniel Schwabi, and I will be talking about HyperD Wiki, which is an environment that combines model-driven web applications and a semantic wiki metamodel to generate a semantic wiki. The advantages are that we can allow creation, collective creation of pages, which can be annotated exactly as you can in traditional semantic wikis, i.e. typed and untyped links, and also typed or untyped pages. But we can also add predefined navigation structures and customized interfaces, which are model-driven, and this can be used and leveraged in cases where there is a domain model present and we want to be able to merge the two. Let's take a look at a page now. It has links and 
a checkbox which shows all incoming and outgoing links. This particular page represents a city, which is a type page. It contains typed and untyped links. Untyped links are of a kind we can see also in the meta model. Let's edit it. Looking at the source of the page, we can see regular links, data type properties, type links, and queries. Going back to the home page, we next look at the same page, but now in a different context. We now see the same information in a different context. Uh, with a different layout. There is now an info box which wasn't there before. This page is being shown in all pages in alphabetical order context and you can see this in these next and previous links. Let's edit the page now. We can see that the source code is the same as we saw before and now let's change a data type property here by tapping a new value for it. We save the page. We can see that the value has changed in the text. And since this is a page of a structure type, we can also use a different interface to edit it. We see now a forms-based interface where I can also change the value of population. And now if we go back to the page, we will see that the value has also changed. And this is reflected both in the text and in the property here. Let's go next to a untyped page. You can see that it doesn't have an associated type, and you can follow a untyped link. We then get to a another instance of city, which since it's a typed page, we can add it through a form interface. In this interface, we now assign a value to the population property, and we can also do a many-at-a-time operation, such as assigning several links at the same time. For instance, the sections of this town. Once we have finished, we'll see that the information is automatically updated in the um, fact box associated with it, which was generically defined for any city and takes its value from the annotations. And you can see the value has been updated. If we go and see the source of the page, we can also enter new properties by typing in the text. 
as soon as we open a link delimiter, the system suggests known links that I can choose from in case I want to use existing properties. And once I save it, it will be uh, incorporated as a semantic annotation. This can be seen in the updated page where it appears both in the fact box and the info box in this case which contains a query for this property. Let's now look at how this application is generated by using the HyperD uh, modeling environment. Here we can see the metamodel classes and the domain class. In this case, since we're talking about the cycling wiki, we have a number of domain classes, such as city, cycling style, etc. There are also a number of meta classes, which have to do with the semantic wiki model. We can see now from the domain model here that we have these classes and relations that are uh, represented in the model. Now, if we go back to the editing environment and we look at, say, a meta class like abstract classes, you can see that it has, for example, all of the operations necessary to implement a wiki function defined there and also the general properties for a page editor and the links if we go to a domain class it has the data type property that we mentioned like uh, population it's a subclass of wiki page and it also has an index to cycling styles which is defined by a query since this page class is a subclass of wiki page it inherits the operation it also has a link which is a data type property in this case contained and uh, it also has a predefined navigation property which comes from the HyperD environment Let's edit it. This attribute is an index, predefined index attribute, which is for the cycling style by city index, which we should look into, and you see that it points to the context, which is a set of objects, cycling style by city. So let's look at its definition. Here we have an expression that computes the set of elements that belong to the set. It's like a predefined query. As you can see here, in this case, it's a relatively complex one because we have to look the moderator has at connected. The, the trails that belong to the sections of the city and look at the styles that are recommended for those trails. So here this expression computes that. It takes a city as a parameter because it's cycling side by city. Then it looks at the contained sections, 
collects them. Then with that, it takes the trails, collects them. From these trails, it will collect the indicated cycling styles. Uh, since this is an array of arrays, it flattens it. And then we look at the set of pages which correspond to these for these styles, but we have to remember to remove duplicates. As we've seen, this is a property defined for a, any city. So if we go to a city page, such as Sao Paulo, and we edit its source, we can simply update its contents to insert a query for that attribute. So you see it's suggested because it's been defined, so I simply write the query in and link notation, and it's automatically inserted into the page. Now, we notice that this information, in fact, is somewhat contextual and should appear in um, pages for cities, but only when you're looking at uh, cycling styles. So let's look at how we could insert that into the info box. We look now at how the uh, info box is defined through a view which is another mechanism existing in HyperDE. Uh, in this case, we have the info box defined by a simple template, which shows the city population and a query to show all the pages related by the contains property. We can also look at a different view. Which is a mechanism inherited from Rails on which it is based. For example, if I look at the general template to show city pages, you can see that it has a special context definition, so it only shows in that context. It has a header, shows the attachments, it shows the type, which in case it's wiki text and the generic fact box. If we now go back to the city page, for example, of Rio de Janeiro, and we look at the uh, 
cycling styles that are available for that city, we get another type page, which is cycling style. And we can see that it has an info box which is contextually defined because I'm looking at the transport cycling uh, in the context of styles for Rio de Janeiro. So I can suggest additional ones. Let's look at how this is defined. We can take advantage of the fact that this is a specific context, in this case, cycling style by city. We can define the specialized view to be inserted in the info box in this case. It will show the city name, and then it will look for trails that are indicated for that style within the city by using a similar expressions as we have seen before, following the links that are defined in the structured model. This concludes our presentation. Uh, we summarize the main aspects, trying to emphasize the advantages of leveraging a structured application development environment and combining it with the traditional functionalities of semantic wikis. There are many more details that can be explored. Uh, you can contact us. You can download the whole environment from this URL. We will be making the whole uh, wiki example available as well. Thank you. Well, I've reached, ooh, I've reached the end. I'm assuming that other folks are uh, completing. Give it just a minute to finish up. All right. So, so we have a mark that uh, condenses feedback a little bit more. Everybody's finished here. Um, we have four more presentations. Uh, uh, each of these are a three-minute limit, though. And uh, I'd like to ask, uh, uh, gosh, I just see Walker, uh, Dr. Walker, oh, Adrian Walker, um, to uh, unmute his phone. And if we can pull up, uh, see, it's a, it's a PDF. Um, we would like to give you three minutes to uh, get the presentation. So, hi, this is Adrian Walker. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Great. Okay, um, I'm hoping that everybody uh, is able to view one way or another a slide. It's just one slide for this talk because it's a short talk. Uh, and the title is Internet Business Logic, a wiki for knowledge in executable English. Um, the uh, research underlying this uh, goes way back. Um, I'm almost reminded of Doug Lynette saying that uh, he wanted to present in uh, a few minutes 25 years of research. 
But the basic idea is that um, we, we want to be able to have people type knowledge in the form of business rules into a browser, and we want them to have very, very few um, rules, meta rules, if you will, that they have to observe while they do this. So um, <clears throat> the first bullet on the slide says that this is a new design that doesn't need English dictionary or grammar maintenance. So, for instance, in contrast to the uh, very nice talk from the ACE folks, um, if you want to uh, use Bob Dylan as a proper name, you just use Bob Dylan as a proper name. You don't have to say that it is such. Um, so the uh, second bullet, the vocabulary is Engli the English vocabulary is open, but um, there's a way of making the semantics strict nevertheless. And there is a trade-off involved there, but it's uh, minimally uh, intrusive for an author. So the author and user interface is just a browser and uh, whatever you care to write. And interestingly, thinking back to the uh, math presentation, you can also mix in math and logic notation because the system is very tolerant of, of what you write and how you write it. Um, and from the rules that you write, um, the system basically gains a lot of scalability by automatically generating SQL over network databases. Um, so you'll see at the bottom of the slide, um, there's, uh, the last thing, the last line on the slide is a, a demo of the uh, system working with a fairly large database. Um, the picture in the middle of the slide sort of tells you uh, what this does. Uh, the system is application independent and goes out of the network to uh, SQL databases. And to a lesser extent with RDF, we don't really have scalability with RDF the way we have with SQL, but that's, that's coming along. Um, so uh, if you go to the site, if you have time to play with the system, there are lots of examples there that you're welcome to run, but you're also welcome to uh, use your browser to edit and change them. Um, the system is basically data status. Uh, you'll see a study of uh, doing supply chain planning for the oil industry. And you'll see quite a lot of academic examples that sort of uh, show ways of reasoning uh, of the kind that's, that's done in OWL and so on. So a key uh, point really is to have scalability, to be able to go out to SQL uh, automatically, make the round trip. But when the examples, when the answers come back from such a round trip, you can see um, automatically generated explanations in the browser of the reasoning, and that that those explanations are at the business level, not at the technical level. Uh, so I guess that's my three minutes. So I'll stop now. Thank you. Thank you. Our, our second three-minute talk will be by uh, Mr. Neff. You can put star three on your phone, and if everybody can download the uh, second slide. Hi there. This is uh, Sanjeev Nath. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so first, the disclaimer. Uh, we are a commercial enterprise, and the technology is not open source. At least uh, not yet. Within the next few weeks, we expect to resolve our strategy on this topic. Um, but for now, it's a proprietary uh, application and uh, technology. Uh, our focus at Zagile is towards information integration within the enterprise, uh, towards which the wiki is only one of many potential sources of information or knowledge. 
so rather than treating the wiki as the knowledge repository, uh, which has been done more conventionally in the recent evolutions of semantic wikis, uh, we have developed technology and extensions which allow the wiki and other applications within an enterprise to contribute to a central information repository semantically relevant data. So although the wiki may also function as a portal or dashboard, as you've seen in so many examples, for integrated information. So in this regard, as Agile, we have focused on semantically enabling commercially deployed wikis, such as, uh, for example, Atlassian's Confluence, although uh, our technology is wiki independent. So the semantic enablement, what does that mean to us? It consists of three major components. Within the wiki, it is templates, forms, and query support. I mean, you've seen that also implemented in a number of other wiki technologies. So templates are based on, in our case, predefined ontologies, each one potentially representing a single concept, its attributes and relations. And, you know, these could be domain-specific, such as artifact, project, person, task, etc. Um, templates support pre-population of instance-specific data from the repository via embedded Sparkle queries. So you can create very rich uh, templates and forms. So the second, obviously, the forms are based on templates to allow users to create hybrid pages. These are consisting of semantically structured as well as freeform content. In an implementation similar to the work done for Minoki, uh, for example. And of course, you can write the Sparkle RDQL, RDQL type queries and integrate and enrich wiki content with information from external sources. So now you have, uh, obviously, wikis, uh, commercial wikis like uh, Confluence can turn into very dynamic applications. And then uh, the second major component, sorry? Time. If uh, you have a couple more sentences, that's fine. But... Okay, so we have ontology-based repository consisting of domain-specific ontologies, and then we have the semantic framework, which provides a consistent mechanism for all applications, including wikis, to interact with the repository so that you have a very unified framework underneath. That's uh, it for me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, our third presentation by Dr. Michael Lang. Uh, if you can hit star three on your phone. And that's presentation L3 Lang. We got your slides up. Uh, three minutes on Noodle. Okay. Um, like... Uh gentlemen before me, we, I also am representing a commercial company, just to let everyone know, but we host our product, which is called Noodle, for free in uh, a public environment. Noodle is a collaborative ontology and knowledge-based development tool. It is hosted in the Amazon EC2 cloud, and it has the Malgara RDF triple store on the back end, so it's designed to be highly scalable. Um, the way Noodle works is that users can form communities, and those communities have role-based permissions models associated with them. And then within communities, they can collaborate on the development of ontologies and knowledge bases. Each resource in an ontology in Noodle has its own web page, and the web page is half wiki content, 
which enables users to uh, annotate their and uh, collaborate on their ontologies. And then the other half is just an ontology editor. Um, ontologies can be imported and exported as OWL. Malgara has a rules engine built into it called Cruel. Uh, we support Sparkle. And in the near future, we are planning to add more capabilities to support forms and templates for building queries and reports and for entering data. Thank you. Um, That's the uh, succinct noodle pitch. Excellent. Excellent. Under time. Um, and the last talk, uh, Professor Scoff, or Scoff, Scoff Moley, I guess, actually, I look at it. Present a peer-to-peer semantic wiki. In fact, you can see in the second slide that wiki have evolved in two ways, into semantic wikis and into peer-to-peer -peer wikis. You know very well semantic wikis. As an example, you can see IkiWiki as an example of ontology for wikis and semantic media wikis as an example of wiki for ontologies. In another hand, we have peer-to-peer -peer wiki, which used in order to have the fault tolerance and high performance. They are based on optimistic replication technique where uh, wiki pages are replicated. The wiki page can be replicated in partially. In, in this way, we have as a wiki page is replicated in few, uh, on few sides. In total replication, we have wiki pages are replicated on all sites. This allows offline works and allows to make the local queries and makes transformation, uh, transactional transformation. <clears throat> there are many uh, consistency criteria in order to ensure the consistency of replica. Uh, for example, the CCI model allows to ensure causal consistency and eventual consistency and allow to have all the effects of any change in uh, preserved. What we propose is to have to develop a semantic peer-to-peer wiki which has the advantages of total replications and which has the advantage of wiki for ontology approach. The semantic peer-to-peer -peer wikis uh, allow to have local uh, queries and reasoning. It allows to have offline works and transactional change it allows you to map your peer-to-peer uh, -peer social network into the peer-to-peer -peer, uh, network topology. And oh, what we have <coughs> we have uh, developed is wiki. You can have more information, information in the address web that I, I you see in the on the slide. And now we are working in making uh, an extension for semantic media wiki. The objective is to have a peer-to-peer -peer semantic media wiki. That's all. Thank you. And uh, that's the end of the presentations. Now, um, we had set roughly 20 minutes for discussion. Um, we're looking at, at more like uh, a 10 remaining. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a long set of presentations. And, and this is a time now that if anybody has any questions uh, for any of the presenters about implementation or what have you, uh, to... Remember to hit star three on your phone.
So give everybody a minute to raise their hand. If, if you have a question to ask, uh, push the hand button, and uh, th th that'll queue you up, and then we'll work through the queue. So far, we've got two in the queue. It's been a long presentation, so. So should we start with uh, Miguel? Miguel? Um, your question? Yeah, hello. 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 Uh, I'd like uh, to make a question on AC Wiki. Uh, just about, it's been said that you can state about uh, a page, and then on slide three, you make statements on a con continent, and I see that you, well, the, the statements, on the statements, you use the subject continent. So, you can, you, that statement is made to that specific page, or you can state about different subjects on different pages. I mean, on continent page, you could be stating uh, about Africa or other information. So here's Tobias Kuhn. Can you hear me? Yes. So then I can answer this question. Okay, so, uh, yeah, basically the, uh, the, the position, the place where you put a statement, whether you put it in the wiki article about continents or whether you put it in the wiki uh, page about uh, Switzerland, uh, is completely irrelevant for, for reasoning. So it has no semantic, uh, uh, no semantic, no semantics behind, behind that. So it doesn't matter whether you place it, uh, under continent or you place it at some position where it doesn't make sense at all. So I used to have a, a feature where, like, as if you write a statement which doesn't mention the word of the article uh, at all, then you got a warning message that this is off topic. But somehow this was uh, annoying, and so I disabled it. At the moment, it's just the ordering of sentences and also the arrangement of sentences in articles has no semantic information. So reasoning uh, does not does not change when you when you move a sentence from one article to another. Yeah, but for display reasons, on continent, you, you display every statement that has been done about continents, or no? Um, I mean, if someone well, states about continent on another page? Yeah, it's somehow an, let's say, unsolved problem, or let's say the, in ACWiki, the the organization uh, of the sentences is up to the users. So they have to decide on which page a certain statement makes the most sense. They can also state it on several pages, but of course then there is a the problem of uh, what do if uh, a user changes it at one place. So that's something that ASVIKI doesn't handle yet. So it's... Uh, um, it's just collecting all sentences, parsing them, translating them to OWL, and uh, giving it to the reasoner without remembering where where uh, they come from. Okay. So it's certainly a field for future research to ha what what we can do to support uh, users in organizing their sentences. But at the moment, it's done in a very stupid way, so to say. It's not much behind it. 